there's something about him I feel like it's me I'm looking right at him He's literally me Welcome to another episode of Literally Him, a deep dive into Ryan Gosling's filmography. I'm your co-host, Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Emilio. This episode officially kicks off our spooky October month. Um, I was looking at Ryan Gosling's filmography. I think this is his only like, scary thriller type movie. Is that right? Yeah, yeah maybe besides like that one Goosebumps episode that he was in. <laughs> As a kid. <laughs> oh, we should fucking watch that. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to start off the episode and asking you, Emilio, what are some of your uh, favorite uh, spooky Halloween thriller scary movies? There are a lot that I like that have obviously like nostalgia entwined with them. So like Halloween. Um. Friday the 13th. I used to not be a big fan of Scream, but I rewatched them recently. And now I'm a big fan of the... I haven't even seen the two new ones, actually. But I'm a big fan of the original ones. Um, Alien. Predator is a little spooky. Mm, I kind of like, like sci-fi kind of thriller movies. If like like horror movies, I'm kind of more inclined to like the cl- or inclined to the classics. Uh, some of the newer ones I really like are Hereditary, which I couldn't shut the fuck up about when I watched it. Um, the Witch, yeah, I I do associate Hereditary with you. Every time I watch it, I think about one of the first time. I think the f- no no no, I saw it in theaters for the first time, and that was fucking crazy. But the second time I watched it was at your uh, cabin in the woods and oh, it yeah. was like one of the scariest like nights that I had there ever. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we watched that up there. That was kind of creepy, <laughs> but sorry, I cut you off. What else do you like? Um, damn. The conjuring ones are good. I'm not a big fan of the nun. Well, actually I haven't even seen the nun, so I can't say actually. Yeah. Just more like, I I don't know. I'm I kind of like specific things about horror movies or spooky movies and thrillers. So it's kind of hard for me to like a lot of them. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you too. I like watching all the classics, especially during Halloween time. Um, I have a vivid memory of being like five years old or so and watching. My mom took me and my brothers to watch Halloween H two O. And um, it's such a, it's a bad shitty movie and it has an (laughs) exhibit in it. Um, But I remember being a kid and, and that was one of the first scary movies I watched and I was fucking terrified. Like the the (laughs) next month I would, um, I was scared to sleep alone. I would like, if I was home alone for even a split second, like that would freak me out. And then I remember rewatching the movie, like when I was maybe 15 and thinking like, wow, this is fucking garbage. (laughs) <laughs> and then um, <laughs> watching it recently, like maybe last year, and I still think it sucks, but it's still really fun. Like I gravitate towards like campy, shitty horror movies like um, like uh, Freddy. I like 
uh, Jason. I love Jason X so much. So stupid. Uh, the screen movies are also really fun too. And then I also like a uh, scary movie. I like that whole franchise maybe up until oh, like yeah. three. That's where I cut it off. Cause after that it gets kind of obnoxious. Um, but yeah, those are all my favorites, but, um, this movie that we're tackling today, All Good Things, released in 2010, is another like genre of scary movie, of thrillers that I really like. I love thrillers so much. Um, what What's your history with this movie? How many times have you watched it? When was like the first time you watched it? So I've seen it, well, now it would be three times. Um, the first time I watched it... I actually, my, my dad was watching this. He was watching this, uh, like one night and I kind of like sat in on him watching it and lo and behold, Ryan Gosling was in it. I was like, Oh, I have to watch this. So I watched it. Um, I was on, I think it was on like on demand. Like we had like Charter, which is now Spectrum, and they had you can go on demand if you have like the subscription. And I was really, really captivated by it, especially because it is like a thriller. I do like thrillers, and um, then I watched it a second time. But I think I watched it with somebody, so it was I already knew like everything that was going to happen. And then this time watching it. I kind of appreciated a little more things about it, but it was this, this third watch. I was definitely like, all right, when's he going to kill somebody? Like, okay, <laughs> he's okay. He's getting a little weirder now. All right. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like it is funny. <laughs> the first thing we uh, were talking about when we hopped on for the record was that, um, the main character, David, played by Ryan Gosling, just gets like progressively like more worse. But at the beginning, it's like he's just a little strange. He's just a just a guy. Like whatever, yeah. who cares? Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and 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 uh, jump into the movie. So a little background: this movie is focused on a real story and inspired by the life of uh, Robert Durst. Uh, for those who don't know who Robert Durst is, he is a real estate, uh, real estate investor from New York who uh, was who had a wife who mysteriously disappeared. And then he had another friend who disappeared who was like a book writer and also like an heiress to a real estate fortune. Mm-hmm. And then he was also on trial for the murder of his roommate, but he got away with that. Um, so this is like uh, uh, following his story. Uh mm-hmm. Amelia, what do you know about Robert Durst? Like, do you remember? I because like growing up, I remember seeing his like face plastered everywhere because of his trial. But uh, what do you remember about him? You know what? I actually had no idea about any of this. I was um, I was staying over the house of this woman I was going out with at the time, and we were trying to find something to watch. And um, we were on HBO Max and then there was a series called Jinx and said the story of Robert Durst. And I was like, Robert Durst, why is that? Why is that name? So sounds so familiar. And I Googled it and then I like there's like a picture of Robert Durst. And then I could have sworn there was a movie about him. And then it led me back to all good things. And I was literally I was literally like, 
it, I kind of acted like I struck gold. I was like, oh, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, this is a, this movie's about this guy. So I have to you watch just, the series. You just busted right in front of your Yeah. Day. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, Ryan Gosling's a serial killer. Fuck. <laughs> and um, so, yeah. So then we watched this documentary series and they were showing clips of what actually happened and it was cutting back in between to all good things. And even like the director who directed all good things directed this documentary because he always had a feeling that something was off about Robert Durst and his answers and some of his stories never lined up. Um, and it's kind of funny, like Robert Durst even like makes comments about the movie that like, he didn't think Ryan Gosling was a good fit for him to play um but yeah like ultimately this movie helped get a conviction uh toward robert durst because he admits to something with a hot mic on while he's in the restroom and obviously like the director and the producers were i was i guess for lack of a better word like ecstatic about it um because that was the ultimate goal of that documentary was to to figure out like what really happened, and it is wild too because they ask him questions like in the documentary like why were you because at a certain point in Robert Durst's life after his wife goes missing and his close friend goes missing he moves to Texas and he is pretending to be a woman for years and people were just so enamored as to like why he would do that. And even he kind of had like, no, like he was like, Oh, I'm hiding from my family. Like, I don't want anything to do with my family anymore. So that that's why I dressed up as a woman. Cause I was hiding from them. But all that stuff from that documentary is so crazy. If you get an opportunity to, after watching this movie, you should definitely watch that series. Cause it is when you watch the, the film and then come back to, that's documentary series. It's very eye opening and crazy how kind of on the nose this film was. Yeah, I agree. That show, the show is the jinx and it is fucking riveting. Like, um, when they catch him in the hot mic situation, he, uh, Robert Durst goes off to the restroom and he starts muttering to himself and he says something to the effect of like, Oh great. Now they're going to know that you fucking did it. Good job, idiot. Like he's just like, such a it's so chilling when you get to that part um and it's just so crazy that the same director from the movie his name is anthony jarecki i believe i might might be i'm most likely butchering his last name but um it's so crazy that his documentary and also the film to some extent led to a conviction to finally get robert durst uh uh to uh you know be convicted for the uh, murder of his wife. It's so fucking crazy. Um, how would yeah. you feel personally if you played a serial killer and then the serial killer said, yeah, I don't think that guy was good to play me. How would you feel about that, Emilio? Um, I would be a little uh, hurt. <laughs> I'd probably <laughs> say like, I'd probably say like some snarky shit back. Like, uh, I don't know. I'd probably say like, well, you know, at the end of the movie, we'll probably figure out if you killed her or not, or something like that. <laughs> um, say something un- under your breath. Well, at least I didn't kill my wife. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Um, but um, I did want to point out, like, it is pretty wild to watch the documentary series and then come back to this movie. And because, yeah, in that in that documentary series towards the end, um, he is, like, upset of himself because he slipped up on, like, a question. Because for years, I guess he had, like, one set answer. And they're asking him about it again. And he gives out a different answer. And the director even who's interviewing him is like, oh, well, you said it was this. So is it this one? Is it this way or that way? And he's like, oh, sorry. Like, I must have misspoke. And he walks away and he's in the restroom and he's like thinking to himself and talking to himself. And he even says like, dude, like, I damn, like you fucked up. So he like the fact that he carries this lie for years and he's just so self-aware of it. It's fucking insane. Like this guy's obviously a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he. Uh, I'd be scared to be anywhere near him. He play, he's just such a weirdo. Um, you know what's funny? Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But <laughs> we were watching the we were watching the series. I I, I started doing like an impersonation of him. <laughs> So we like uh my friend she would like like get up and do something and, and I would like in like a low voice cuz he has like this very specific kind of like graspy kind of mousy voice and I yeah. I would be like you know I really did kill her right <laughs> she would just creep around <laughs> and we would be wa- we would be watching the show and I'd be like you know, they almost have everything right about this show. <laughs> I mean, I know you're messing around, but that is a really good impersonation. Like he is really, <laughs> he is such a strange person. And, um, ah, man, just to like, I know that there's such a fascination to get inside the mind of some, of a serial killer, but Robert Durst is someone that is just a fucking weirdo. He's a creep. And, um, Hey, he makes for a good subject for a movie and a documentaries. Yeah. So, uh, starting off this movie, the first thing that pops up is is big in big letters. It says Weinstein production. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Shit! <laughs> God damn it! Well, what can you do? Another weirdo had something to do with this movie. Um, <laughs> so we start with like a shot of a car. It's a rat Toyota Rav Four, and we see that someone pulls up into dark train tracks and it's uh also intercut between ryan gosling playing david uh getting interviewed ryan gosling's also wearing like old old people makeup they made him they mm-hmm. aged him what'd you think of that makeup and how he looked they actually um he looks nothing like robert durst with that makeup on yeah um i don't know why they i the what's that called that pigmentation you get when you're older um I don't know. Liver spotting or something oh, like that? Oh, liver spots. Yeah, liver spots. Yeah. yeah. That that was kind of wild. How they gave him so many liver spots on his face. Um, yeah, Ryan Gosling, if they did this to like to be like, oh, well, like how would Ryan Gosling look if he were older? Let's make him look like this. Buddy, you are not going to age well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Which is crazy because he's like 46 right now, 47. Yeah, like forty-seven. No, wait, no, I don't think that's right. I think he's, I think he's like forty-two. Forty-two? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, so. yeah. You're right. You're right. Right. Yeah, but yeah, they aged him terribly in this movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like when they do things like that, I think it's fair that it's not one to one because what they also make sure to do is that everyone knows that this is inspired by Robert Durst, but they never say it outright. Like mm-hmm. in the beginning, they say this is inspired by true events that occurred in January from January 1971 to November 2003 in Texas, uh, L.A., and New York. So like they age him, they don't really make him look like Robert Durst. So it's like, whatever, fine. But then again, if someone has never seen this movie or if no, if you see this movie and you don't know who Robert Durst is and you hear this story, you would be like, this is fucking wild. Like, (laughs) this is not grounded in reality. Like who, why would this ever happen? But it did fucking happen. So yeah. I think that is why maybe it didn't have the best reception because I was looking up scores and for the most part, most people give it like a five out of 10, a six mm-hmm. out of 10. But I don't think a lot of people realize that this is based on Robert Durst. Um, did you know that the first time you watched it? Oh, you didn't though, right? No. So then what were your like initial impressions of the movie when you first watched it? Um, well, so yeah, like it does say that it is based on the true, like true events. Um, I, I, for, I forgot how old I was when I watched this, but I never, I was very captivated by it. I just never had the, I, my interest was never peaked to see who and what this was about. Um, but it, it is wild. Like, uh, there's just, not not like to say that so much is going on it's just what goes on is so kind of outlandish and just things happen to where you think like why is this why is this guy deciding to do this like how does this help and there's some stuff that he does as to where like holy shit like i can't believe he's doing that <laughs> um yeah just really someone who's not grounded in reality per se yeah it's very like apparent off the bat that david is someone who is tr- like suffered like something traumatic because he's not 100 percent. so we we open up on david he is a kid he's like maybe 20 something i'm not sure how old like 22 23 and he's living in new york in 1971 he's dating a woman named katie and Katie is played by Kirsten Dunst. Um, in general, what did you think of Kirsten Dunst's uh, performance in this movie? Oh, I thought she was great. I really liked, um, like I said, like watching this for the third time, there were things that I can kind of pick up on that I appreciated a little more. And although this is a movie centered around um, David, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, they do show so much of um, Katie Kirsten's character, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character, and like just kind of how she was thrown upon into this insane, um, unfortunate. I, I I guess I could say like remaining years of her life, and you kind of really get the sense of like there kind of wasn't anything she could have done to avoid this because of how controlling the character of David is and also just the family in general, the family that he comes from. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she was really good in this film. 
Yeah, and um, I like that you bring up that the character of Katie like really didn't know what she was getting into because in the beginning we're introduced to David and he's kind of portrayed as a person who is just like has a shitty family and he's like meek and kind of shy and doesn't know what he wants in life because his dad is such an asshole. So we see that David invites Katie over to his house and his dad is fucking rich. His dad is like a a real estate developer and he owns a bunch of land throughout New York. And uh, his dad's name is Stanford. And the actor playing Stanford is Frank. I don't know how to say his last name. Langella? Langella? Yeah, I think so. And so um, uh, the Frank Langella is so good at playing a fucking dickhead. Like David's dad, Stanford, is such a fucking asshole. Uh, We can see that he really wants David to join the family business. But but David does not want to join it. He doesn't, he doesn't like what his dad does. And so, um, yeah. What did you think of the performance from, uh, Frank Langella? Dude, this guy like pissed me off. <laughs> he's just so, he's so good at being an asshole and not even like a likable one, like one that you would like, you just don't like, especially when, um, she, when, uh, David introduces Katie to him and she says, Oh, I'm Katie. And he goes, we use uh full names here. And I was like, God, what a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, he, his character is maybe like, I want to say he's a pretty prominent character. Yeah. But he doesn't have as many lines as like David or Katie. But every line he delivers, like he is so good at being a fucking dick. Like he says the most scrutinizing shit. Like uh, there's one scene where Stanford is playing with uh, David. They're playing tennis with David. And he's remarking to David, like, uh, you know that Katie will never be one of us. And then uh, uh, David turns to his dad and he says, like, yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Because he fucking hates his dad so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, to get away from his dad, David and Katie end up moving to Vermont and they open up a small business. And um, we see that, um, that also David has a relationship with Katie's family. That um, it's no secret that David's filthy fucking rich and that uh, Katie's dating someone who is just loaded. Um, How did you think, what did you think of Ryan Gosling in these initial scenes when he's playing David and meeting Katie's family? You know, that that was something I did want to bring up is that the first half, I I, I don't know if it's, it's more just how the director wanted it to come off as. I'm sure it was intentional, but he does come off as like Ryan Gosling, but he comes off as charismatic. Like even the first, one of the first lines he says at the beginning of the movie where he's telling his dad, like we should get a plumber, like we should get a plumber to fix this building. Cause he lives in a building that his father owns and he's like, we should get a plumber to fix this. And his dad's like, no, why do we need a plumber? And he goes, why do we need a plumber? I don't know. Why, why would I, we call someone who knows how to do this job to do their job. And there's like these all these little like quirks that are that are Ryan Gosling. So that was something that I was taken aback by. I was like, oh wow, like he's initially very charismatic and funny, a little awkward, but still um a little more open. And so once he meets Katie's family, like he's still in that kind of 
groove, I guess I want to say, because that's not who he really is. And then once, you know, once they get married and once they're settling down, that's when like the real David comes out. I really liked that contrast because I like to think that we're watching it somewhat through the perspective of Katie. So we're kind of blindsided by how he really is as a person, at least how David is as a person. Cause yeah, I, like I said, like watching it for a third time, I was like, Oh, like when's, when's he going to start acting weird? Like when does that start to happen? And it's just like, kind of like a complete 180. And I think you appreciate more of these outbursts that he has, like these like things that slip through the cracks and you get like the real David who is Robert Durst, who is a serial killer. Yeah, I think you're very right about that. I like I hope that when people watch this that they feel that the director does some justice for Katie. Um I forget the name of the real person i think it's like it's very close to katie it's like kath kathy or something like that robert durst's uh actual wife but she was like really really put in a shitty shitty position yeah that anyone would would just try their fucking best and she wasn't like a person that was trying to be a gold digger or anything like that she was just an average person who fell in love with the fucking psychopath and it just it's just so fucking sad what ended up happening to her. But um I think they do some justice in this movie. Um so uh we cut to David and Katie. They end up selling their place in Vermont because their dad Stan or uh David's dad Stanford really pressures da- uh, pressures David to join the uh family company. We see that David ends up joining the family business and he his what he's in charge of is like picking up money from other uh like establishments that they own and it turns out that like his dad stanford is involved in like crooked ass shit what did you think of the uh set pieces how they set up like new york in the in 1972 i liked it i do um i kind of picture like new york back in the day like dirty <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i guess yeah. sounds kind of fucked up to say but i, I i'm assuming it was um because that's how every film sets it up as but you do kind of get that sense of like they're in the city um they're somewhere that they didn't want to be hence why david never wanted to work for his dad in the first place uh yeah like the set pieces are very well put together and you can tell that the director did i mean the director honestly gives a lot of thought into this film like from the set pieces to the story to um i mean shit yeah almost everything but yeah i do like that dirty gritty new york city especially because like he is doing something that is shady yeah i think that it looks really good like uh like obviously we weren't around back then but um i don't know i don't i'm not even sure how he achieved that like i'm assuming maybe he just dressed up an actual new york city street or something but it looks yeah. incredibly real it doesn't look like a set or anything um, we see that David and Katie move into a new apartment in New York and um, Katie brings up to David that she wants to have kids and David remarks like, no, I don't want any kids ever. And that, uh, and then Katie asks David like, are you all right? Like, is something wrong with you? And David says, yes, that something's wrong with him. And then he brings yeah. up that um, when his mother died that he saw a bunch of psychiatrists, but none of them helped. 
Uh, what did you think of uh, Ryan Gosling's performance in this? Like, this is like the first scene where he starts to break down and show that he's like, you know, got problems. So, what did you think of him? I, we went before we hopped on. We were saying like, oh, there's nothing really funny about this, but I mean, it is kind of funny how drastic the change in his personality is because he really is um i think rooted deep down inside like this character david is an asshole and he is dealing with like a lot of trauma obviously he doesn't know like how to express it but just when yeah that's just that simple fact she brings up that she wants kids and he's straight up like no never i never want kids and then she asks him, yeah, like, is something wrong with you? And he's just like stone cold looking out into the city. He's like, yes. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like, he's just like, he doesn't want to talk about it. And we're like, yes, something's wrong with me. And he's just staring into fucking New York City. It's like a contrast that is funny to talk about. But I think it's very important because you have to see those personality traits really slip through to get yeah. the sense of like, yeah, something's off about this guy. Yeah. There, uh, another thing that it's funny is that they're also, and I think it's like, like historically accurate is how thin people uh, rolled joints back then. Cause like <laughs> yeah. everyone had like, there wasn't like all this like fucking uh, money being put into growing weed. So like back then people would get like shitty ass skimpy weed. So they probably rolled like the shittiest joints. But um, every time David is smoking a joint, it's like the thinnest, most fragile looking thing like you ever see. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. Um, we cut. Oh, you know what else was funny is that I wanted to bring up is that in the last movie we covered half Nelson we discovered that this is like the first movie we watched where Ryan Gosling does drugs, but he does drugs in this one. Like besides smoking weed, he also like, it's not shown, I think, but it alludes to him like snorting Coke. Cause we cut to oh, a, a yeah. scene after this and they're at some like nightclub and David's remarking to a friend like, Oh my God, I love Katie. Isn't she the best? And then, um, uh, we see that he's like fixing his nose and like, yeah. you know, most likely he snorted Coke. Um, yeah. Do you want to walk us through the next scene where like, um, well, in the same scene, uh, we inter- we get introduced to the character named Deborah and Deborah is talking to uh, Katie and Deborah reveals something about David. Right. So Deborah is um, pretty much David's close friend that he's grown up with. And she brings up the fact that, um, well, actually, from what I remember, um, she's bringing up to David. I might have glossed over this part because the most significant thing that I took from this scene was when she's talking to David and mm-hmm. she's bringing up that David, that she doesn't really know who David is. Mm-hmm. And David is very self-aware in that that he almost is kind of agreeing with her and she says like like this she says something along the lines of like that Katie's in for like a ride because mm-hmm. she knows David more than Katie knows him obviously 
and David, I keep wanting to, so I keep wanting to say Robert Durst. <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Robert. <laughs> they should have just called him fucking Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a different last name, but yeah, it but, is distracting um, knowing that it's about Robert Durst. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I, I might've glossed over what exactly you're talking about as far as Deborah talking to Katie. But what, what I remember vividly is, Robert Durst is very self-aware of the fact that he's not himself with Katie and Katie kind of gets that first little acknowledgement of, of that from Deborah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. The one thing that I noticed too about the scene is that the whole point or the whole uh, up until this point in the movie we're told that David's mom died somehow, but we're not sure how. And Deborah tells Katie very casually, like, oh, you don't know? His mom jumped off a building, committed suicide. Yeah. And then she says, like, yeah, her head cracked like a walnut. It's just yeah. like, like, fucking David has the worst friends. He has the worst dad. And his fucking mom died right in front of him. Like, there's no fucking, it's like, no, duh. Of course, this guy's going to be a fucking serial killer. Like, <laughs> He has such a fucked up life. This is all the ingredients to make a serial killer. <laughs> shitty friends, shitty dad, and you watched your mom off herself. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, <laughs> I want to just cut briefly to like a few different scenes. Like, so the scene after this that really like took me aback was when they have a house party. They buy like a house by a lake and they invite all the neighbors over. And uh, Katie admits to a neighbor like, oh, I'm pregnant. I haven't told anyone yet, but I'm actually mm-hmm. pregnant. And then uh, Katie goes on to tell David the good news. And do you want to walk us through how he ends up reacting to that? So she tells David that um, she's pregnant and she's surprised by it. And David is also surprised and he's taken aback. He has a freak out, um, which is where you get your the first real look at how his true nature kind of slips through as to where he's so frustrated with what she just told him. He throws a chair into their bookshelf and he storms out of the house. And then she goes to follow him and he tells her, I'll give you anything. I will give you anything else, anything you ask, but I cannot give you this. This scene is so fucking gut-wrenching, dude. It's so bad. Um, I was watching this movie with Carol, and the first thing she said when David throws that, like, uh, whatever he throws at the bookcase, she mm. she said out loud, yikes. <laughs> she said, um, <laughs> that's, like, just such a classic sign of an abuser. Like, someone who's willing to throw shit when they're angry in front of you at your direction, like, eventually it's going to end up hitting you and this person's also probably most likely going to be abusive towards you. Um, of course, like I, I can't imagine being in a situation like that, um, but I can only imagine that it is incredibly fucking scary. And what can yeah. you do? She um, even looks terrified too. Like she's in shock. She has like no words to say. And that kind of does allude to how... Um, Not that she's stuck in this situation, but like you kind of are because you are invested in this person that you care about and like you love and you see them in a moment of their hat. Like what comes off is anger 
And but then like as a partner, you kind of rationalize it in your head. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, he's obviously upset about it. It obviously has to do with the fact that he when he was a kid, because she even brings that up to him too. She says it's gonna be different. It's not gonna be how it was when you were a kid. And it is hard for people to walk away from people they care about. And like we, yeah, like we can watch this film and be like, oh, these are like signs of someone who's not mentally all there, who is willing to damage inanimate objects. They can possibly damage their partner, but like, that's not what they're thinking because she goes to comfort him. And she, and that's where he tells her like, I'll give you anything else, but I just can't give you this. And yeah, it is kind of scary. Like, to be caught in that situation because you don't know what to do. Yeah. And then um, just to make the scene, like once you watch this scene, it's already super intense, but to add another layer, what this movie always does is like, it keeps building on the shit. That's already so fucking grueling to watch the next scene. Katie and David are, are heading to uh, get Katie an abortion. And so on the way over all of, David's dad's places of business are starting to get hit by the police and being taken over by the police. And so Stanford, uh, uh, or sorry, David ends up calling Stanford at a payphone, his dad, and his dad uh, tells him like, you need to go to the rest of my businesses and pick up all my money before the cops get there. To which David says, I have to take Katie to the hospital right now. I don't have time for this. And Stanford berates him and says, what are you talking about? Like, who cares about that? I need you to do this. Fucking David ditches Katie and Katie has to go get a fucking abortion by herself. Um, That's so and, bad. Uh, we, it's fucking horrible. I think Kristen, uh, Kristen Dunn such a, does such a good job just, just showing her fucking pain and misery throughout the scene because we cut to them at a bar and their friends walk up to them and uh, uh, freaking Katie is just so distraught. She can't handle even being around her friend. She stands up and leaves. Uh, Lauren, her friend, played by Kristen Wiig, goes to comfort her. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Emilio, what did you think of uh, Kristen Wiig's performance in this movie? You know what? There, that's one thing that um, I didn't appreciate, like really, like <laughs> upon the third watch, is that uh-huh. she is definitely like some type of comedy relief. Sure. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah, in that scene, they're they're at a bar and they're sitting at a table, and the friends come up, and the guy says something along the lines of, uh, "Man, what a crazy ass day, huh? I heard your dad's yeah. uh, your dad's businesses were getting hit." And then Kirsten's character, or I mean, Katie, gets up and leaves, and then Kirsten says, "Like, what are you a fucking asshole?" And she like goes to follow her, and she introduces her to some good old white powder. And says, snort this back and you'll forget about everything on your mind. And I could not agree more with Kirsten Wig. <laughs> they should have played that song, White Lines, in the background. That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> Bass. <laughs> Just a montage of Katie doing cocaine. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Kirsten Dunst does a good job of being high too. Cause like they yeah. get to her like sitting on the couch and she is fucking zone. I mean, you know, it's a mixture of being high, but also just fucking like distraught, but she does such a good job of showing that pain in her face. Yeah. Um, she does. Uh, Kirsten Wood does even say too, like, 
just just snort it back and whatever's on your mind will go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Enough. I'm sold already. Give me some. <laughs> Someone give um, me my phone. <laughs> so from here, we cut to a couple years later. They never say exactly how many years later, but eventually we find out that it's like around 10-ish years later. So it's like now it's 1982. Um, do you want to walk us through what is like da- David and Katie's situation? Katie is living at the lake house where she's mainly studying going to school. She kind of does figuratively figuratively is living a completely separate lifestyle because she's going to school because she wants to go to medical school. Right. And David is completely unaware of this. He's just working for his father. Um uh which he kind of shows like he begins to resent more and more. And it's really taking a toll on him mentally. And it is also revealed that even his uh, younger brother is moving up in the company more than he is. His dad like makes remarks towards him, calling him like a weak man. Um, this this guy's like a fucking asshole of a father. Um, but so one day David goes back to the lake house and he actually opens up one of Katie's letters that says that she got into a medical program to school and Katie is ecstatic and happy, but then she realizes that her mail was opened. So she looks around the house and she sees Ryan Gosling get naked down to his skibbies Ned down to his tidy whities. And he jumps into the lake that I'm assuming is freezing because you can see snow caps in the background. Yeah, dude. It must, and, that was my first thought too. I was like, "Dude, that water must be so fucking cold." Yeah. Uh, hey, but that's just what psychos do. They <laughs> go into ice cold lakes and probably do ice baths. Um, <laughs> so he jumps into the lake, and at first it was kind of odd to see, because I, I was thinking in my head, "Wow, this guy's so frustrated at the fact that she got into medical school that he has to jump into freezing water." But then it turns out that one of their boats is drifting away. Um, But he also has an odd reaction to that, which is to spray paint their number on it. And he's like, oh, like it was drifting away. This was in case it drifts away. And Katie, you know, is warming him up. And then they shower together. It's pretty (laughs) nice to watch. (laughs) And then I believe that's when we cut to the dinner, the family dinner. Yeah. So um, actually, I think, yeah, yeah. So right after the scene, we see that Katie is graduating with her bachelor's and uh, David is at the graduation and he doesn't even stand up at the part where everyone throws up their caps and shit. So he's like really afraid of abandonment and he's also like super incredibly possessive of Katie. So knowing that she did this accomplishment on her own and also getting into medical school on her own, he's like super distraught. So we cut to this fucking party, this house party. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is that Nick Offerman plays Katie's oh, yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his performance in the movie? He was good. I always like, now I just see, um, what's his name? The character from uh, Parks and Rec? Ron yeah, Swanson. Uh, Ron Swanson. I just always see him. So I'm always expecting like a little giggle. 
especially from yeah. The Last of Us. It's so uh, refreshing to see him play this character because he's so like bubbly and like gregarious and like uh, I think he does a great job doing anything. Like he's just such a likable person. But um, yeah. So at this at this party, um, David is visibly uncomfortable. Everyone is like around Katie, congratulating her, super proud of her. And um, David wants to leave. He wants to leave the party early. And he tells Katie, like, let's go home. I have to wake up early. And Katie tells him, no, I'm going to stay. Like, are you kidding me? We just got here. And he goes to his car. He sits down. He turns on the car. And he's incredibly frustrated. And he runs back inside the party. And he grabs Katie by her fucking hair, dude. And <laughs> drags her out the party in front of her brother her family in front of everyone this was such a fucking jaw-dropping horrible scene i i had completely forgot about this scene too and to just see him run in there and literally like no words just grab her by the hair and yank her out and her whole family is there like that takes an insane amount of disconnect of moral like any type of moral compass to do that but obviously you know this guy is not that type of person he's um someone who is extremely possessive and extremely jealous uh yeah that was fucking crazy to watch (laughs) especially like ryan gosling doing that (laughs) Yeah, apparently, like, Ryan Gosling felt so bad about having to do that, that he gave, like, Kirsten Dunst some type of, like, gift, or he bought her, like, flowers the next day, and that Kirsten Dunst remarked, like, oh, no, it was, like, you're super gentle, like, it was no big deal, but Ryan Gosling just hated that he had to fucking act out that scene, so he he got her a little something the next day. Um, Hey, which goes to show, Ryan Gosling's such a cool fucking dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> even as an actor, like you're you're doing this scene, and of course you're just acting, but still, it has to take something out of you. Like it must feel fucking weird and and bad to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to go to a place of like anger, um, to do something like that. Not that I would know. <laughs> I have never thrown anything. <laughs> um <laughs> so we see that uh from this scene we cut to Katie um visiting a lawyer and she wants to get a divorce from David and the lawyer tells Katie like look here's the problem um David doesn't actually have any money his money is within a, a family trust mm-hmm. and so if you divorce him legally he has no money so you'll get nothing so what you got to do is find some type of incentive that would help the family give you some type of money when you get divorced, which yeah. leads Katie to break into her, to fucking David's office. Do you want to walk us through the scene, Emilio? Yeah, um, there was like there is something that I wanted to bring up, which I mean, I don't know how true it is about that family, but even the lawyer says that the fuck, man, I keep wanting to say Durst. The, Just say it, who cares? <laughs> yeah, the, the Durst family, the Marx family, they don't do divorce. Like, mm-hmm. they don't do that. So they make it very hard. And the incentive is to not leave the the family. Um, because uh, even, like, before this scene, um, she's having dinner with her friend and her card declines. Right. 
And Kirsten Wig does do a funny thing where like there's people staring at her, uh, staring at them because the car gets declined. She goes, what are you looking at? Finish your salad. <laughs> <laughs> like just like little scenes like that. But um, it is pretty crazy to kind of be told like, yeah, like you can't leave unless you get some type of blackmail to where the family yeah. will pay you out. Yeah. Um, because that is exactly what she does. She goes into David's office and she, I believe the paperwork that she grabs is all the cash drops that Ryan mm-hmm. Goss, uh, David's character does. And she turns it into the FBI. Yeah. 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 And one of the agents grabs this letter and he's going to take it up to the supervisor. And the supervisor looks at it, sees the name on it, and he says, send it back. <laughs> yeah. So fucking wild. <laughs> This is a fan. He tells him this is a family matter, so send it back. But that kind of shows like just how stuck she is, mm. and also just how powerful this fucking family was at the time. Yeah, I think it's also just such a poignant thing to put in the movie of like, I think people that have never been in this situation, and, and I've never been in a situation like this either, but maybe something that people would say is like, well, why don't you ask for help? Why don't you go to the police? Why don't yeah. you do this? Where it's like, realistically, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? Um, they can't be there to protect you 24 seven. And even that, even then, like, what are they going to do to make sure that you're safe after? So it's just, it's just horrible. Like Katie is in just such a shitty fucking position. Um, I want to just, let's just cut to uh, like, Katie's final confrontation with, with like David. Do you want to walk us through the scene where Katie comes back from her family uh, party and is with David at the lake house? Yeah. So she actually goes uh, back home after she had been drinking and even um, her brother tells her, why don't you stay here? And she does look kind of distraught and she says, uh, no, like I have to go home. And it is, um, um, it is, uh fuck i'm really blanking out on the word right now uh f- it is fuck <laughs> i'm having i don't know why i'm having a hard time saying this word cuz i use this word all the fucking time it uh, is uh prominent no um poignant does it start with a p uh it's like oh we're hinting at this that this is what's oh, going on in the background el- eluding yes oh god thank you joseph <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, damn. man, I need to read more. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there are a few instances uh, and scenes shown that are alluding to the fact that David does begin to physically abuse Katie. Right. Um, so... Uh, you can you get this sense that um, things are becoming to get more violent and more out of control with David's character and in how he treats Katie because when she gets home, uh, David is standing in the dark waiting for yeah. her to come home. I and, thought that was a, a little funny. <laughs> Just yeah. seeing him in the background, we laugh a little bit. <laughs> and he says, "Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. You look um, tired. I made you dinner." <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something pretty bad. Um, <laughs> we don't talk enough about those Hey Girl memes. We should start. We really don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey girl, you look tired. Time to die. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's standing in the dark like a fucking weirdo. And it is kind of odd that, well, because like you can see his character aging a little more. He's wearing glasses and he has like this kind of funky haircut. Uh, but he's in like a white knit, like, like a white fine knit sweater. Like and a he's cashmere just, sweater. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just standing in the background and she asks where the dog is at. And he says, Oh, I put her, put him in, put him in the kennel. And he begins to continue to act weird. Yeah. Um, and then she goes into the garage. Oh, wait, real quick. I want to point uh-huh. out. So he makes dinner for her. Oh, yeah. And in this part, they're sitting down and it's incredibly uncomfortable. And he turns to her and he says, you would have made a good mother. And then she looks at him with the most fucking disgust anyone can ever have in their face. And she spits out the food on the plate. And then she gets up and cleans up. And then she goes to the to the. Uh, the outhouse or whatever it is, the the shed. Yeah. And then she discovers that David killed their dog. (laughs) Yeah. That was a cool dog too. That was a really cute fucking dog. It was like a a husky mix with like a Sheba or something. It was super cute. Yeah. Um, She begins to panic and I believe David followed her and a small, small chase throughout the house ensues. And they don't show it. They do insinuate David, like there's a shot of David grabbing a shovel or some type of tool. And it is insinuated that, but but again, they can't show it because it was never proven, Mm -hmm. but it is insinuated that David killed her. Yeah. Up until this point, when the movie came out, uh, Robert Durst wasn't convicted of the murder of his wife. So the movie never shows it because it's not discovered yet. Um, But from the scene, we cut to David showing up at his dad's house and he has a confrontation with his dad, Stanford, about their mom. And he starts telling his dad, like, why did you let me see my mom die? Like, why did you why didn't you run out and come and grab me or something? And the dad admits, like, well, I thought if you were out there that she wouldn't jump. And, Dude, that's uh, so fucking crazy. It's so fucking heartbreaking. Like, I do not like David, but then you see, like, the shitty upbringing he had, and it's like, fuck. Like, this guy had it. He was fucked up from the start. Like, he had mm-hmm. no chance to lead a normal life. Um, And then uh, Stanford tries to get up to leave, and David pushes him back into his seat. And then uh, David starts to walk out, and Stanford says, like, why don't you go back to your wife? And David says back, like, she's gone. I'm just like you now, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a little <laughs> cheesy, like not that great. Yeah. What do you think of this scene in general? Uh, dude, honestly, um, hearing the, hearing his father tell him, because he even tried to lie, and he says, oh, I, I told the, the maid to take you in. And he goes, don't lie. Like, yeah. I know you're lying. And that that's when he, uh, he tries to get up and he like shoves him back into his chair and he tells and he 
tells him, yeah, like, like, why'd you let me watch my mother kill herself? Um, and, uh, yeah, just like that thought process of a father to be like, let me use my son as some type of emotional leverage for my wife to not jump off this building is so insane because there's every, cause it can only go one of, it can only go one of two ways. And it's that she wouldn't, or she would. And to kind of use your own child as some type of pawn to get a person to not do that is fucking crazy. And then not only that, but to continue to act like an asshole to that son for years and obviously not have, it kind of makes me think that like he thinks of his son as a, as a failure because he couldn't get, not even he could get his mother to, to not do that. Yeah. But it's just so fucking crazy. And that, that, that one line is pretty corny. But uh, I do like how he takes, they take like that pause and they look at each other and they both haven't like, well, obviously uh, David knows what he's, he did, but his father kind of gets a sense of like, like something has happened. Yeah. 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 yeah, He's, he's so fucking crazy. Yeah. It reminds me of like uh, succession, like how the dad, Logan Roy, uses his kids as pawns too just to get ahead in in the family business or just to get what he wants and it's it's very it's like similar theme going on here in this movie how the dad is just using david and people around him just so that he can advance in his life um one thing i do want to bring up is that david walks out the house and stanford like yells after him and the way he says David is like stuck in my head. I'm going to just say it for like the next month now. He just yells out like, David! Like it's just so <laughs> funny the way he says it. David! But, um, <laughs> but from here we cut to um, like Katie's missing. Like she's never found. Just like in real life with uh, Robert Durst's wife. And we mm-hmm. cut to the year 2000. Uh, now in New York. Um, I also wanted to point out that when they cut to the year 2000, like the music that they use, it sounds like some nightmare before Christmas music. Like it just, it sounds so bad. (laughs) It was a really bad choice in music. I I really didn't like it, (laughs) but, um, we see that there's a new district attorney named Janice Rizzo, who's played by Diane, uh, Venera. And she is also in the movie heat. She plays uh, Robert De Niro's wife. Or sorry, uh, Al Pacino's wife. Um, and anytime there's a there's a movie there's a person from Heat, I'm gonna bring it up because she's <laughs> she's fucking awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's a new district attorney, and she says that there is new uh, evidence uh, being put out about the disappearance of Katie. Apparently, that there is a writer uh, named Deborah, which is the same Deborah who is friends with David, who wrote a book that details that David murdered his wife. So now they're reopening the case and now they have forensic evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of in this scene? They also show David as an old man being put on trial for something. Uh, what did you think of this like 
scene when they cut to 2000 like what did you do you remember what you felt when you first watched this scene um i do remember thinking that they aged him kind of bad <laughs> right um you know like this is also like one of those things too where i guess i wasn't really aware of how big this case was at the time because even mm-hmm. the district attorney when she's announcing that she's reopening the case like there's paparazzi and it's a big news event and i just i was just so surprised that i never heard about any of this um right. it is also like it, it also kind of like makes me feel kind of bad for him because one of his closest friends wrote this book. Right. And yeah. she's pretty much like, I mean, obviously he should have been caught and he should go to jail or the death penalty, whatever it is in New York. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, just like somebody that is, that you think is close to you that you don't hear from for years, all of a sudden, like I wrote this book about how I think David killed his wife and to just kind of put it out there is so crazy. Like all these people kind of have like one thing on their mind and it's kind of mostly like money. Yeah. Like money is like a heavy money is kind of a heavy discussion and a heavy like topic point in this film. Um, but yeah, even like it cuts to scenes of like now there's news at David's house. Like I don't remember any of this, which is so fucking crazy. I remember being a kid and this being a big headline, like hearing the name Robert Durst over and over. I conflated him with um fuck, I conflated him with Phil Spector because I remember that was another big court case being going on at the same time and I remember seeing images of them both and being like shit, man, this guy's being uh, put on trial for another murder, but uh, they're two different people. <laughs> but yeah. um, so from here, we cut to David fleeing to Texas, and David decides to start dressing as a woman to hide from this murder case. Um, I was bringing up to Emilio that there are a lot of bad reviews of this movie that I saw that people were saying, like, this feels a little like out of left wing or whatever. Like, this feels unrealistic. Like, you can't even, like, catch the pacing of the movie because it goes everywhere but it's like this this actually happened to someone like this robert durst actually did all this shit so um i thought that was like kind of unfair criticism because yeah it feels crazy but like yeah this shit actually happened like some some fucking crazy ass motherfucker did all this shit to try to escape being convicted of his wife's murder um yeah there is a there is one um thing that i do want to point out and it's how um how Deborah gets killed by uh David and it's um I don't know why this oh, thing stuck out to me. Real quick, uh mm-hmm. sorry, he he actually uh she gets murdered by uh Melvern. That's the uh that's the friend that David makes in the apartment complex. His Oh uh, his yeah, neighbor. you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um yeah. Uh but he but she begins to call David. So she has a direct right. line to David and what the heck is that? I don't know. I keep seeing that too. Like some like thumbs up emoji keeps going up. Yeah. I don't know why. I thought you were doing that. <laughs> no, I'm not. Someone else is in here know. listening right now. <laughs> it's probably Robert Durst. 
Wow, I really like your guys' podcast. Can I come on? <laughs> Don't do that in the mic, dude. <laughs> David, stop. Robert, David, Robert, David, stop. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, that she has a direct line to David. And mm-hmm. she begins to call him and says like, oh, I can't believe all these people are coming to me and report like how all these people are getting my number. I, uh, I don't know what to do. And there is a scene where David is um, laying on the couch. And it's kind of funny because he does have like mascara on <laughs> from like being out and about for the day. And right. he's just like chilling, watching the news. And like he's watching these people on the news go to like the lake house and they find the remains of their dog. And mm-hmm. in the background, um, she's calling him asking for help, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> this guy, Melvern ends up having a relationship with David. David notices that Melvern is like kind of an erratic person but he kind of feels bad for him because he has no one else. And also David is lonely. Um, So they end up like hanging out together. Um, What did you think of the friendship between David and Melvern? It's kind of odd. Extremely odd. odd. Um, Because even like they, they hang out and they're like casually hanging out. Uh, But then whenever they go somewhere to like a grocery store or something, like he has to put on a wig Mm-hmm. He has to put on a dress. Um, and then there's like a scene of them. Uh, I think they're smoking and uh, they're like out on the range, like shooting guns. And he's, yeah. he's not like totally in this outfit, but he has like a woman's blouse on and like long pants. It, it honestly, it was kind of, it is kind of weird to watch, but all this is really happened. Yeah, but it's just yeah. so funny seeing, Brian Gosling as an older version, semi-dressed as a woman, hanging out with another guy. <laughs> like, they're casually hanging out. It sounds really bad. It sounds, like, off... I don't know how to put... Yeah, it just sounds odd, like, when you put it down on paper. Like, yeah, this guy had to escape, like, the uh, getting convicted for his wife's murder after he thought he got away with it. So he moves to Texas and starts dressing as an old woman. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? But well, again, this actually fucking happened. Yeah. Which just adds to the story of Robert Durst, how fucking crazy he is, like the lengths he went to. So um, we see that uh, David ends up asking Melvern to kill Deborah and then wants to get rid of Melvern. So he ends up like ghosting him. So Melvern comes back from LA after murdering Deborah and he confronts David and they get into a big altercation and David ends up murdering Melvern. So now fucking David has like three bodies under him. Um, uh, can you walk us through like the final scenes where like they're at the court hearing for, uh, for the murder of uh, Melvern? Um, yeah, they even like, uh, they kind of cut like back and forth in between like what goes on there. Um, there is one thing that I did want to mention and it's that, um, it kind of just cuts back to, you know, Robert, Robert Durst, like the real person. Um, and it's that, uh, 
like he would still actively take care of himself. Uh, like he would go out. Well, I mean, it's portrayed in the film. Like he would go out on runs. Um, he was relatively like going out a lot, just kind of like the lengths that this person went to, to still kind of live a normal life. But also, um, maintaining this illusion. Um, it's so crazy. Just thinking about that and talking about that now. And just knowing like all of this really happened. And this guy was very self-aware of these links that he went through to hide. Yeah. And to not get caught is so crazy. Um, but yeah, so he, there are a few scenes going back and forth in between, uh, him in the court room and like he, it, he even admits like that the body was heavy to carry. Um, and it cuts the scenes of him like cutting him up. Yeah. He admits to the court that yes, I killed Melvern and yes, I chopped his body up and threw it in a river. <laughs> yeah. Just so fucking crazy. Yeah. Um it is kind of there's one scene like specifically that sticks to me a lot and it's when he's like kind of like wiping his face because he's fucking sweating from chopping this guy up and you can still see like he has like mascara lining in his eye mm-hmm. and like some like faint lipstick but just seeing an older Ryan Gosling version <laughs> cutting up somebody with like blood all over his chest and just has like this makeup on him is very interesting. So fucking crazy. (laughs) From this, we see that uh, David is in court and he's being uh, tried for Melvern's murder, but his whole defense is that he did it in self-defense that Mm -hmm. Melvern was an eccentric person. He was kind of crazy. He took a big liking to David and he went crazy and tried to kill him and the fucking courtroom buys it. And fucking David gets away with the murder of Melvern, uh, Deborah, who Melvern killed in L.A., and then his wife, Katie. And then that's where the movie ends. It just shows that um, David only got nine months in jail for the the disposal of of Melvern's body, but he got off besides that, and he was free. And then it ends saying that um, David uh, practices um, real estate in New York to this day, and it ends. But of course, now we know that um, after this movie, the director went on to interview Robert Durst. He made the show The Jinx. And from that, Robert Durst was convicted of the murder of his wife back in like not that long ago, honestly, like in 2022 or so, because his uh, Mm -hmm. trial was supposed to start in 2020. But then the pandemic happened and then he was officially convicted in around 2022. And I think he's died since then right he died in jail uh actually i should look that up let me see let's let's see let's see because uh yeah that um that uh yeah he died in uh yeah he died in january General Hospital. but uh yeah because that documentary came out shortly after that mm-hmm. um i it's also like one thing i did want to point out is that he that uh he kind of sets up this idea that um, the roommate came in and tried to shoot him. Right, yeah. So that's why he was acting in self-defense. 
but damn, it's so crazy. Like you watch this film and everything kind of building up to like the person that he is. And in real life, no one has any idea of like what happened. No one has any idea of like where his wife was. I mean, this court, this courtroom, these, these jurors are from Texas and some of them might have not have even ever heard about Robert Durst and, um, yeah, just how he got off on, on, murdering somebody and he only did nine months because he disposed of the body is so crazy it's insane and like um it really i think it really goes to show the fascination that people had with robert durst right after this because it must have been so fucking like i mean of course it's upsetting for all the families involved but also as like just a viewer of the movie of like are you fucking kidding me like this guy got away with this bullshit like he's obviously the fucking murderer but um it's fucking it's such a wild ass story like i can't believe that it's it's really close to the actual true story yeah um but yeah with that we're done covering the movie let's move on to our rating so emilio give me like a summary of your thoughts about the movie and then give it a score from one to five you know, I do want to say that uh, Ryan Gosling does do a really good performance in this movie. Um, it's definitely one that is uh, overshadowed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like doing this role, playing somebody who comes off first as like charismatic and, and quirky and a little awkward to sinister and um, erratic. Uh, and then playing this character of someone going into hiding and pretending to be a woman, pretending to make friends, using people, manipulating people. It is pretty wild. It's a wild ass fucking, it's a wild ass story. And I think he does really well in it. Um, I do like these movies a lot. I do like thrillers. I was upon first watch, very captivated by it. Like I said, like this third time watching it, definitely picked up on some things that I appreciated that I didn't see before. Um, but I would give it, I want to say like a 4.5 out of 5. It's very respectable. Um, yeah, I agree with you. This is such a unique performance from Ryan Gosling. I think that he's doing a really good job at being someone who is incredibly unlikable who is someone who's incredibly scary and someone who is a big time fucking manipulator. Yeah. Um, I think it's really difficult when you play someone who is a real person because your only choice is to like play the person authentically, I guess. Mm-hmm. But something that often gets like uh, overlooked is that you don't have to do that. You can also just do like, a performance of what the person is like. And I, I really uh, like that Ryan Gosling just put his own like spin on it. Cause like, imagine if he did this movie and he was doing, he was trying to do an impersonation of Robert Durst. Like that would have taken me out of the yeah. movie. Like every time he does a voice, I do not like it. Like fucking gangster <laughs> squad or fracture. Like it, it probably would have been a bad idea. So I'm really glad that he just stuck to his regular voice. I'm glad that he just kind of does it 
using his own spin on things. Um, but he's incredibly believable. And I think this is a good movie and um, it's a good thriller. I enjoy thrillers and I think this is a good one. So I'm going to give this a five out of five. What did, uh, what did Caro think about this movie? She really uh, enjoyed it. I think that she's also loves uh, thrillers a lot. Um, there were a lot of scenes in which she had a lot of like strong reactions to as like anyone would, because this movie is just so fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I asked her what she thought of it at the end. She said that she thought it was really good. She liked it a lot. So yeah, I think that's another sign of quality right there too. <laughs> all right. So in the pantheon of Ryan Gosling films, all the way up from an S to an F, where are you going to rank this? Um, I mean, definitely an S like, again, this is something completely not, like Ryan Gosling, like you can't really tie into like, um, like how he is as a person in reality, like anywhere near this role. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think like one thing that we do with these rankings is we, some of them are based on how good he is in these films, but also how, good he is in terms of not being himself. And this is definitely one of those performances for sure. So I could definitely give it an S tier. Yeah. I think that this is a, a very interesting fucking movie. Like, um, I know that as we've talked about before that Ryan Gosling can be typecast as a certain, like romantic lead or whatever but this is uh him showing his range once again so i think this is an s-tier movie as well i think it's uh, it's one that you have to watch if you are a ryan gosling fan mm-hmm. and also if you're just a fan of thrillers in general and um a fan of like murder mysteries i think you should watch this one as well it's a it's a fucking fantastic movie mm-hmm. um all right last question <laughs> uh and i'm worried about this because i i don't know where either of us are going to land on this one um are we literally him are you literally david yes marks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god emilio just stabbed riley right now <laughs> riley we're going for a walk and i grab her by the head um no <laughs> definitely no uh yeah i can't I can't think of any way I can be like this person. Maybe I can be like a little insecure sometimes. Uh, I can definitely be awkward sometimes. You know, I've thrown like stuff here and there at the wall. Do you know? Definitely like have a, a rage that I can't control every now and then. You know? Definitely have daddy issues. <laughs> but no. No, I'm not like him at all. <laughs> Yeah, this guy is such a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I the only thing that resonated with me, and this is to like a fraction of the percentage that he that Robert Durst experienced this or David experiences this, is like the relationship he has with his family is like he feels incredibly like uncomfortable around them, and I think that's the only thing that I resonated with him. Like my my. Dad, I'm whispering this because I don't know if my dad's home. Um, <laughs> he's a good guy, but like I, I feel like I get scrutinized. I feel like I can be scrutinized a lot by my family at at sometimes, 
Um, so that's the only thing I resonated. But besides that, truly nothing. I never thrown anything out of rage. Um, I get angry, but I don't want to murder people. So no, I am not literally him. Cap. That's <laughs> <laughs> cat, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I can agree too. Like I definitely feel, um, overlooked sometimes and scrutinized a little bit by my parents. Um, uh, but yeah, I was also joking about what I was saying earlier. I've never <laughs> thrown anything out of anger. Have a a deep rage that needs to be released. No, it's too late, man. People are gonna clip that segment, and when you get canceled, that's all they're gonna play. So yeah, it's okay. I deserve it. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. This is our first spooky episode. Maybe next time we'll cover, I don't know, goosebumps, like Emilio said. That'd be cool. Yeah, we'll uh, you guys, some, some uh, spooky ones. Yeah, uh, you guys should give us a rating. Uh, Emilio, what should the people rate us? I would say five out of five. And then you have to say one thing that you like about me and Joseph. I have physically. a big old... Physically, yeah. <laughs> Big old what? We both have big what? You finish the sentence. Brains. All right, y'all. Brains. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.